In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. It is October 3rd which is just weird to think about and say after everything we've gone through this year. And Atlanta United has posted its biggest win this season, a 4 to nothing victory over D.C. United at Audi Field. Um, Atlanta United has moved up to eighth in the East from 11th uh, with the emphatic win. Came on goals by John Gallagher in the fourth minute, Brooks Lennon in the 41st minute, Gallagher again in the 65th minute, and what I think is the goal of the year for the team so far. And then Adam John capped it off in the 70th minute with a header from another assist by Brooks Lennon. There was some weirdness in the game with an illegal substitution used by a coach who has just lost the plot, although some might argue he hasn't had the plot in a couple of years now. Uh, and the, the laughter you heard was Jason Longshore, who consistently joins me after games. You can find Jason at Longshoe on Twitter. You can find me at Doug Robertson, AJC on Twitter. So let's unpack what we saw tonight with the caveat that DC United is probably the worst team in Major League Soccer, um, maybe next to Vancouver. Um, however, Atlanta United looked good tonight. Hey, they took care of business. They took care of the match in front of them, and they were able to do so in a way that didn't see them wear themselves down. And you have to find those games where you can at the moment because you're going to play eight more in just over a month's time, which is an insane amount of soccer to be playing in mm -hmm. that short of a period of time. You need wins that don't stress you out too much. This was one of those. You got an early goal. You didn't have to really press too high. You were able to sit around midfield and start your line of confrontation there. D.C. never really threatened you coming forward. And you were able to finish chances. You know, these were things that Atlanta United has struggled with. They've fallen behind early in games. They've had to try to fight back. They haven't finished their chances. They answered those issues tonight. And, yes, it was against a poor opponent, but you can only play the team in front of you. And when you take care of business the way you did tonight, hopefully that can build a little confidence before Wednesday. Yeah, that's something that uh, interim manager Stephen Glass, uh, Brooks Lennon, and uh, John Gallagher discussed after the game, uh, the need for to build confidence against a, a very tough opponent on Wednesday in Orlando and then another extremely tough opponent uh, on Saturday in Red Bulls, a team they have still yet to defeat in the regular season. Um, the goals tonight, John Gallagher's first to recap was a, a brilliant right-footed volley uh, into the lower left corner. He actually hit it 
back across him, which is very tough to do with the right amount of touch. It was a, a great cross by Lennon, uh, who was set up by Heinemann. Then Brooks Lynn followed with a left-footed cannon. Uh, he was the first to a loose ball, which was kind of a theme most of the night. Atlanta United was first to most of the loose balls tonight. Then in the 65th minute, uh, I'm, the goal, it was, it was just a, a piece of brilliance. It was Gallagher to Heinemann to John to Heinemann to Gallagher, who were all continuing their runs in this very tight left-sided channel. Uh, with Gallagher turning it in from a tight angle, I wrote it was kind of Barcelona-esque, I thought, in the movement and the runs and the passing. Um, and then Atlanta United kind of went the English route with a cross from Brooks Lennon to Adam John, who both players were pretty much unpressured for an easy goal. It was a good reward for Adam because he missed a couple in the first half. Yeah, Brooks Lennon was outstanding tonight. Uh, he was our man of the match on the radio broadcast, two assists, a goal. Uh, I'll give a little more credit to that second goal because of the way that the whole sequence worked out where it started with a cross from Lennon that was overhit. It was kept alive down the left side and nothing was on. DC had recovered. So Atlanta worked the ball back to their back line. They switched from the left to the right quicker this time, something that they've needed to do with a little more pace. He did, and they were able to create the opportunity that, that Lennon took advantage of on his off foot with a rocket. Uh, the goals were, were good quality tonight. Mm-hmm. The goals were good quality tonight. The attacking performances were good quality tonight. And, you know, on a night where I think maybe there was a little bit of a spotlight on Brooks Lennon because he was going up against uh, Julian Gressel, who didn't start but came in for D.C., and a lot of people have used the hashtag replacement kind of deal here with Brooks Lennon he was massive and he delivered in a big way tonight yeah I've never really thought that was fair um I understand understand the comparison um because of the position and and other factors um and and I think that Lennon has played well this season and I've I've tweeted that and I've, I've wrote that consistently um I was a little surprised when I was going through the stats for a story uh two weeks ago at the lack of, of statistical uh, impact from Lennon, but part of that has to do with people not finishing his crosses. Tonight, they were finished, um, which is a huge thing. I, I think he's had a, a very solid season for Atlanta United, and I, what I think is probably a reasonable price compared to what they would have had to pay Gressel. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Another talking point from the bizarreness that was tonight came uh, about six minutes into the start of the second half with Russell Canoose, who, who looks like he should be an extra in a Green Street gang movie, um, came on the field, and the referee suddenly realized, wait a minute, he's not on the team sheets that we were given. I went back and looked at the team sheet that was given to Atlanta United to give to the media. Russell Knauss was not on that team sheet. Uh, you could hear the referee telling both Stephen Glass, Jeff Lernowitz, Ben Olsen, this has not happened before. He didn't know what to do. So he yep. reached out to a PRO for guidance. Uh, after the game, MLS sent an email that it is investigating the situation. Um, I'm assuming that D.C. United made a late change to its, its roster 
but unfortunately forgot to communicate that change to the opponent and to the referees. I've heard that wasn't the case. Okay. Well, to, it, uh, to share us what share with us what you've heard. Uh, that it was a mistake. That it was a a simple mistake in the way that the lineup card was filled out. And one thing you got to remember, uh, you know, we're used to seeing the handwritten lineup sheet that is submitted uh, by a team official. It's not always the manager. Uh, sometimes it's a team administrator who fills it out and submits it. Well, that's not happening now because of coronavirus protocols. You're not handing papers over anywhere right now. So it creates some different situations where mistakes can be made because it's just it's a different procedure. Um, you had a situation here where you know, Ben Olson was asked about it in, in post-match availability, and he did not want to say who made the mistake. Um, and it didn't sound like he was protecting himself. It sounded like he was protecting a, an employee. Um, also, the fourth official can't allow this to happen. It just it can't happen. It's a, it's a very simple thing. Um, you know, we didn't have that match audio, so we couldn't hear what the referees were saying. Uh, we did see they were on the phone trying to find a resolution. The one they found was questionable. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, how else you deal with it. Um, but it can't happen. I, I've been on discipline and protest committees and ethics and grievance committees with the Georgia State Soccer Association. This is the kind of thing that happens in a you know U14, U12 game where you have a player who's not eligible to play who is allowed to play. It should never happen at a professional level. And DC United has to figure out how they can allow this to happen because it's embarrassing. And the fourth official has to figure out how this can happen because it's embarrassing because the sub was made at halftime and it was three or four minutes of playing time with Russell Knauss on the field. He was not eligible to be on the field. Uh, luckily nothing happened. If he had yeah. scored a goal, if he had injured somebody, if he'd gotten a red card, right. I mean, th there's so many things that could have happened that, there would not have been an easy solution. And the game probably would have been thrown out at that point. In this case, look, for Atlanta United, um, if, if things had changed in the way the second half played out, I would imagine there would have been a protest levy because there would have, there would have had to have been. It was an ineligible player. The way it played out, you're not going to protest. You're going to take the result because <laughs> you get a better goal differential. But it's, it's an embarrassment for a team that has – had a number of embarrassing situations this season and it's an embarrassment for the professional referees organization and this would be allowed to happen in a professional match it shouldn't happen yeah I, you know as far as punishments etc to dc united i think those punishments are probably coming down maybe right now maybe tomorrow uh in terms of a coaching change based upon well, what, what Stephen Goff has been writing and reporting potentially in terms of punishments in this situation um I don't know if, if it's Ben Olsen's fault or not, but in terms of punishments, it is important to note that Dallas in 2017 played an ineligible player. Now, it was a different situation. It was what you were alluding to at the beginning where they had a player in the starting lineup. He couldn't start the game. Um, when that happens and you're removed from the starting lineup before kickoff, you're out. You can't be on the bench but he was allowed to be on the bench. He then substituted into the game. He shouldn't have. Um, 
their punishment ended up being $25,000 in cash and $75,000 in general allocation money. That was in 2017. This is a little different, but it's essentially the same thing. It's an ineligible player being allowed to enter a match. DC United will probably be punished fairly severely by Major League Soccer for the mistake, and Pro has to admit a mistake as well. And then you get the situation about the coaching staff, which is a whole other situation that DC is going to have to solve. For a little bit of context as to how often this may or may not happen and get caught, I can remember, I think it was two years ago, Atlanta United had left a player off of its game day roster totally by accident. Mm-hmm. But it got caught before the game, and everyone was was updated, and it was fixed. Yeah, you so can so make it changes. wasn't an issue yeah. anymore. But you know, it's one of those things where it can, you know, it can happen. But whoever, no, it can happen in terms the of submitting. Gap, yeah, right, it can happen in terms of submitting. It, where it can't happen is that player actually coming onto the field who's not supposed to be there because mm-hmm. your substitution protocol should alert you that okay, you want to bring this player in, he's not on the lineup part. He can't come in. Right. Like that's where it, it can't, that part can't happen. Right. Um, I do need to point out that I had predicted a 0-0 boring draw on the Soccer <laughs> Down Here show on Friday, and I was very, very wrong about that, so I need to own up to that mistake. I also need to discuss a question that I um, asked Stephen Glass after the game. It was the last question of his Zoom press conference. We have to do all our press conferences by Zoom now, which isn't ideal in any situation, but that's how it is right now. Um, so I asked him, is Barco, a Ezekiel Barco, who was uh, out of the game day roster for the fourth consecutive game for tonight, a part of the team's plans for the remainder of the season? Does Steven Glass see him playing for the team between now and the end of the season? And Glass said yes, uh, emphatically, 100%. He has had an injury. I can't say what the injury is, but he's had a couple of set, uh, setbacks. I don't think Glass, um, for lack of, a better, uh, lack of a better word, appreciated the, the blog I wrote Thursday when I, or Friday when I pointed out that Atlanta United's injury information submitted for, this, for the D.C. United game didn't match what he said Thursday. Um, uh, to recap that, Thursday he said of a group of four players, which included Barco, Rosetto, Robinson, and Jurgen Dom, one player wasn't going to be available. He did not want to say which player because he thought it could give DC United an advantage, um, which, again, that's his prerogative. MLS doesn't have rules about injury report information, which needs to change. Um, and so we go to tonight. Uh, we could see from film submitted by the team that Robinson did make the trip of that group of four. He's the only one you could see on, on the images and videos submitted by the team to social media. Then we find out Barco isn't playing again. Um, because the team won't say what the injury is and because they keep saying that it's day-to-day, it leads people to wonder, well, is, does Marco want out? Is he trying to force a trade? Because it is a tactic used by players in the past um, to try to force a, a, a resolution to an unfavorable situation. Um, 
And so because the team won't say what the injury is, in my story, I use the word alleged injury. And I think Glass took exception to that. And he called me out on that, which I'm totally fine with. Um, because we have to have, we have to be able to communicate as the beat reporter and as the manager, we have to be able to communicate and share information. So I was totally fine with that, but that's, that is the latest on the Barco situation. So perhaps you'll see him on Wednesday against Orlando, but to be fair, John Gallagher is playing so well. And I think the combination of Gallagher, Heinemann and Lennon are playing so well across the midfield. I don't know where Barco would play right now. Yeah, Gallagher, as long as he's healthy, I think is going to be in the lineup. Um, you did get Jurgen Dom back tonight off the bench. Um, nothing too noteworthy, but the game was was pretty much done as a contest by that stage. Uh, you'd hope that maybe Jurgen Dom is able to give you more minutes on the other side, but uh, you know, then you got to figure out where you put Brooks London after a great night like tonight. So it's it's a good problem to have with yep. players getting healthy with Marcelino Moreno here and training on by himself, but training. And hopefully, I think the, the idea is for him to be potentially available for the Red Bulls match next weekend. Team could look really different in a week. Yeah, and, um, you know, Moreno, it, it, that's going to be a really, really interesting puzzle for Glass, I think, because – the team result wasn't great uh, the last game um, at Chicago, but Hyman was moving the ball well. He moved the ball well again tonight, I thought. Very quick, a lot of one-touch passing, kept D.C. United shape-shifting to try to keep up with what he was doing. Um, I'm going to be curious. A, a much different player, obviously, Hyman than Marino. Um, how – if they could be used together – in some way in a formation. Uh, but that would probably involve using just one defensive midfielder, which isn't bad if Atlanta United can keep possession. Um, and we just don't know that yet because we haven't seen Moreno. Yeah, I would think that they could play together. And then it's going to become a, a competition for the other midfield spot. Um, I think Hosetsu with his injury is going to lose out a little bit because Heinemann has taken advantage uh, of absence and has played really well in multiple performances now in a row um, after some kind of, you know, average to, to subpar ones. Yeah. But it, it's going to be a, a competition with Mo Adams who had a, a good performance tonight. Heinemann, uh, yeah. Uh, Mo, Mo Adams did play well tonight. This was the first game at Lenny United has won in which Mo Adams has started. Um, I, thought he had a, I thought he had a lot of energy tonight. I thought he looked really good. Yeah, and Mo Adams will be competing with, with Jeff Lorenowitz and Eric Rometty for that, that number six role. Now, the good thing about Heinemann and Moreno is, is both are willing to do the work defensively. Both are two-way players. It might end up looking like a midfield trio of a, a six and two eights as much as anything. And, and that suits Moreno and Heinemann, in my opinion. I think it suits both of their games. Moreno maybe has a little more true speed, a little more quickness. Uh, Heinemann is very savvy on the ball. I think he reads the game really well and can make up for, you know, maybe not being the fastest player with his uh, soccer IQ. But those two guys can give you what you need in the midfield to make up for not playing with two holding midfielders behind one attacking midfielder 
those two can make up the ground and make up the difference. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, and it's going to be relevant because you look at the standings and while Atlanta United is above the line right now um, in eighth place, they're still only one point ahead of Chicago, which is currently in 11th place. They're four points ahead of Cincinnati. I think Miami and D.C. United with results tonight are probably out of it. Uh, they're six points behind. Um, so Atlanta United just has to pretty much outpace Chicago and Cincinnati to stay above the line. They're three points away from Red Bulls in seventh, five points from New England, which is not playing well anymore. Um, six points ahead of NYCFC. I think that's a little bit too much to ask to catch them. So I think, you know, Atlanta United can probably try to hope for as high as sixth if it can keep up it's good performances based upon this. Um, but really, I don't think they're going to get any higher than that. You'd love to get into sixth because you'd avoid the play-in round. Um, that would give you one less route to get to MLS Cup. But I think the biggest thing is just getting better each 45 minutes you yeah. play. Yeah. I think it's just every half you want to get better and better and be building to the point that you're playing your best soccer when the postseason starts. So, any other talking points from this game tonight? I thought Miles Robinson looked sharp. Um, he still doesn't like he's running as well as he ran last year. I don't know if he's still carrying an injury. Um, Raguzan had nothing to do because there were no shots on goal by D.C. United. Uh, Escobar got forward. Bello got forward more than in the previous two games. Um, we talked about Adams. We talked about Lorenowitz. Um, although there was a moment – when he was talking to the referee about the Canals uh, substitution. And I think Renewitz said he could be on a helicopter for all I care. He just can't be on the field. <laughs> Something like that. Um, so that was pretty funny. Uh, too bad Sam Jones wasn't being able to watch and listen. Uh, but he's paying attention to Georgia's beatdown of Auburn right now. Um, what do you all have upcoming? A couple, a couple of points that stood out to me real quick. Um, mm -hmm. I thought Atlanta United was a little nastier at times tonight, which they've needed to be. This is a yeah, Lawrence White almost broke a guy's leg with a, in a 50-50 late in the game. Yeah, and they committed, I think, the most fouls that Atlanta United's ever committed in a match tonight. And there were a lot of tactical fouls in the first half, something that Atlanta United's needed to do more of. Um they were physical. D.C. was physical. D.C., I think, was very cynical at the end. Emil Asad should have been sent off. Horrendous tackle. Yeah, that, that was a crap that was tackle. That was a crap tackle. Yeah, that, was, that was nasty. I'm surprised it, it, if it had been another player, maybe there would have been some retribution. It um, reminded me of the elbow he threw in the very first season, well, his only season with Atlanta United, early in the season. He just sized up a guy and put his elbow right into his face. Uh, that's what tonight's tackle for behind reminded me of that's frustration i mean it, it was frustration you can see it for Assad. you could see it for gressel uh, he slammed the ball down at one point um both of them wanted to show well they didn't and, and it just didn't go well for them it was a bad night for dc but atlanta you know was physical and, and that's something that we really haven't used to describe them this season so that's a, a good sign for me it's a team with a little bit of an edge to it i, I think they're they just haven't been happy about the way they've played, about the way things have gone. And 
they took it out on, on DC a little bit tonight in a lot of different areas. And they need to have that edge the rest of the way because you're not generally going to create this many chances and score this many goals against a lot of teams in the league because your attack's not what it's been. So you've got to find ways to be dangerous, you know, in other facets of play. And I think Atlanta showed a few things tonight that they can build on. Uh, I'm excited about it. So I hope when you get people healthy and they can continue to build on it, this team looks, you know, better and better each time we see them going forward. Uh, for us on SDH, we've got uh, Overreaction Monday. Uh, Monday morning, 9 o'clock, you can listen on our Soccer Down Here app, which you can download for free on Android or iOS. You can listen on SoccerDownHere.net, our website. You can watch on Twitch, twitch.tv slash SoccerDownHere. We'll have a whole lot of programming this week with uh, the morning show every morning at 9, with Soccer Over There on Monday night, with the run-up uh, previewing the match on Wednesday on Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. You'll be with us on Wednesday morning, as you always are, to preview matches. So it's going to be a very busy week and a very busy uh, five weeks coming up the rest of the way where it feels like there's games every three, four days. All right. And as always, you can find me, Doug, on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, Please follow the other content providers uh, who cover Atlanta United, uh, Dirty South Soccer, Siempre United, Mouse of the South. I'm remembering to include them this time. Uh, The Athletic, uh, uh, I'm forgetting some people, and I apologize if I'm forgetting you, uh, because there's quite a few good groups of folk. Marcel, uh, Sports Inquirer, who spend the time, uh, their own time, uh, covering the team. Um, please follow them. I uh, hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We are a month and a day out from what could be the most important election in the history of the United States. Uh, and we're going to cover it, and we'll cover it well. Uh, and you need to, I think, read and, and be in for, stay informed and, and stay up to date on everything that's going on, both within your city, within the state, and within the country. And the Atlanta Journal-Constitution provides that. Um, Jason, thank you for being on the show. Atlanta United, 4 to nothing winners against D.C. United. Atlanta United will host Orlando on Wednesday and Red Bulls on Saturday. Uh, if Atlanta United could get four points from those games, two points from those games, that would be huge, uh, I think, in their – probability of making the MLS playoffs. All right. It's been Southern Fried Soccer. Thank y'all. Stay safe and take care. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash 
unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,